Thanks, Marcus, and uh, I hope you're clapping at the end. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, the last song we sang, I really love, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And uh, that's, that's what we're all praying for and hoping for, and it's an absolute blessing to be able to speak this morning. And it's a blessing to give Pastor Matt a little break, and I'm glad that he didn't announce to me last week, because you might have taken a little break. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, it is a tremendous blessing for me to be speaking to you from this pulpit, and uh, again, um, I'm almost uh, out of word or can't find the right words to be speaking to you in the name of the Lord, but I'm very blessed to be here and praying that the Lord will speak to you and feed you this morning through his word, and we're going to be looking at Isaiah 56. I've been recently in Isaiah, and the book of Isaiah is just so full of Christ that it just pops out at you, and so I've chosen to do Isaiah 56. And uh, Matt will continue next week with Matthew. Matt teaches Matthew. How's that? And, and uh, um, he's doing a great job. And as far as needing a break, I recently heard a little news item about how pastors are, um, many churches are having a crisis with losing pastors because we live in such a difficult world. And you can imagine, I'm sure, how difficult it is for pastors to uh, fight the battle that's out there in our country and uh, in our world. So uh, we got to treat Matt right. And one of the ways we have to treat him right is pray for him and, and uh, pray for the elders. And with that, let me uh, just have a little prayer for our uh, message this morning. Father God, I just uh, lift up this time to you and lift up myself to have you use me um, in Isaiah 56 and uh, pray that your spirit will speak and that it'll speak to each person here this morning and, and uh, that you will feed them and that you will feed them with Christ Jesus even as we look at at an Old Testament book and uh, interpret it from the filter of what we see in your New Testament and just pray for your blessing on the words, Lord, and on our time together. Pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, Isaiah 56 <clears throat> begins... Verse 1, thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Oh, 
were waiting for that, for sure. And, of course, it came with the Lord in the first coming, when he first came. And, um, but he's coming again. And as we see such a need for righteousness and justice in our world today, uh, we can't wait. And uh, it, could, it could be as soon as uh, right now, as far as I'm concerned. And as you look at the book of Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah has been announcing the coming of the Lord. And it uh, speaks to his first coming as uh, a suffering servant of the Father. And we've seen uh, in the book of Isaiah how it pleases the Father, or pleased the Father to send him, and send him to those who would accept him, and have that opportunity to forever be with him. And now, as we're waiting for him to come the second time, what can we do until Jesus comes? And when he comes, he's going to be coming in all of his glory. The first time he came riding in on the donkey. And after his crucifixion, then his salvation was revealed to the world. It was revealed uh, most, first of all, and uh, mostly to the Jews, but they rejected him. They rejected his salvation, most of them. But the Jews during uh, Isaiah's time here were told to preserve justice and do righteousness. Well, they, at this time that they were uh, told to do this, they were in captivity because of God's chastening and because of God's judgment. And... Uh, how hard is it that when you're in captivity or when your country is being run by those who want to let felons go free without even bail, as you think about our country and what, must, uh, what it so much is going on in our country, uh, to preserve justice and do righteousness is very difficult, it seems, for our nation right now and uh, for the world as far as that goes. But the scripture says, nevertheless, believers are to try while they wait eagerly for the Lord. And so that's what we're looking at this morning is um, preserving justice and doing righteousness all the while that we're resting in the Lord. So it's not in our own efforts. And um, eagerly waiting for the Lord. We're not surprised, Scripture says, don't be surprised when you see all of the things that are happening in our nation. Uh, don't be surprised about that. In fact, if you want the Lord to come, Things have to get worse before they can get better. And that's all in Scripture. Verse 2 goes on in Isaiah 56. How blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it. 
who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Well, if you look at uh, Isaiah 55, uh, you can see a little bit more about the Sabbath as it speaks about the Sabbath here. And uh, so we need to go into it a little bit more as we look at it here in Isaiah 56. And this is what's so important about understanding the church age. The Sabbath was part of the law given to Israel, and it means rest. It was made for man. Christians speak of the necessity of having a quiet time. What happens to a Christian when he has a quiet time with the Lord? What happens to you when you have your quiet time? Hopefully every day. And uh, Saturday, as the Sabbath for the Jews was meant for them uh, as a part of the law system. But for many of them, they ignored it. And for many, it was just a religious practice. And for many Christians, coming to church can just be a religious practice and not come from the heart. And if you practice taking a day off as a religious practice, I believe it's going to help you. It's going to help anyone, anyone's life, and they'll be blessed by it, even if you don't know the Lord. And I believe our country, our nation enjoyed that because of such a good Christian foundation that we have. Those who weren't believers got to enjoy a culture and a nation uh, from that perspective. And uh, the whole culture, if you take a day off, uh, and devoted to the Lord, the whole culture around you is going to benefit for it, from it. As for the Christian, here's what God said through the Apostle Paul regarding the Sabbath. Galatians 4, 9, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. Why does he fear for them? He fears for them because they may have taken their eyes off of Christ. And they're not resting in him. And they are being religious. They're practicing religion, but... Paul says he fears for him. And in Romans 14, 4, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. 
For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Well, back to the, or to the Sabbath. One pastor might say, I take off Monday. Another would say, well, I take off Friday because I work on Sunday. So don't tell me when I have to rest. And so, again, the idea of the Sabbath is for rest. It's for acknowledging. Now, the Jew didn't know this, but it's for acknowledging Christ for the work he's done. The work has been done regarding righteousness, what we all need so very much. But we don't need our self-righteousness. We don't need our own righteousness. We rest, and that's what the Sabbath represented. We rest in Christ instead of our own works. Our own works are gifts to us from the Lord, as the second chapter of Ephesians tells us. And those works, if done in the Spirit, will have fruit, eternal fruit. And done in the Spirit means we know where our power comes from. Everything from Christ, nothing from our old man or our old self. And uh, nothing from the flesh, in other words. So there's one more passage I'd bring to our attention. That's from Hebrews chapter 4 regarding the Sabbath. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Another version would say, let us labor to enter that rest. We have to work at resting. And... That work has to do with giving up self-righteousness and accepting God's righteousness by faith through Christ. Christ has given us his righteousness 
and we do rest in Christ's work for one particular time, one moment in time, as hopefully you all have, where you have accepted Christ's righteousness. And uh, it gets even better than that. It goes on beyond that. I don't know if you can get better than that, but it goes on beyond. And holiness, sanctification, is accepted by faith as well. And that's hard for man to accept. We think we have to work for it. And the word says you have to believe. You have it through Christ. You have his righteousness and you have his holiness. And Christ has paid the full price of all that's involved in that. And he's done the work for us. We believe we belong to him. And uh, we believe that righteousness and holiness is a gift. So we rest in it. And Christ paid a big price. It said that God created the universe with his little finger. But he, but he uh, used his right arm to pro provide salvation for us. And the scripture teaches us we've learned of the need to look down on our stay here on earth from a heavenly perspective of having been blessed, as Ephesians says, with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. We are new creations identified with Christ instead of Adam, and nothing can take that away from you or me. In Romans 8, it says in verse 37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I ask again, what happens when you have a quiet time with the Lord? It can be that all of a sudden you begin to look at your circumstances here on earth through, through the Lord's eyes. We even begin to see whatever surrounds us from a deeper, quieter, peaceful mindset or spiritual perspective. And you can stop worrying or fretting by having that quiet time and resting in Christ. And before that, you might have been just fretting and taking the world's problems on your shoulder and you realize you can't do it. And recently I've just been hearing message after message of some person, a relative, a friend having cancer and you think, how can they deal with that? And um, it has to come from God. So 
uh, back to, you didn't know all of this was in Isaiah, but it is. <laughs> Isaiah uh, 56, 4, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and holds fast my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be called the house of prayer for all the people. Well, before this part of the chapter, I just said we can stop worrying or fretting regarding our salvation. We are safe. We're protected, even protected from ourselves. But who is safe and protected? Who is it that does not need to worry or fret? And the answer, of course, is anyone who comes to the Lord. Here, then, it says for all peoples, even the eunuch and the foreigner. Well, in the days of Isaiah, the days that he's writing, you could become a eunuch by birth, by choice, even if you didn't want to marry, by accident or by serving a king who had a harem. And there were many ways, including abuse. And for the Israelites, they placed an extremely high value on having children and having lots of them, thinking God would bless them with uh, the more children they had. And women who could not have children could hardly live with themselves, as you consider Sarah. And uh, they considered that serious and severe shame and disgrace. And you could see that even at the very beginning of the na that nation of Israel, that having children was extremely important. But we see something here in this passage of Isaiah about how God feels. And there's a great um, illustration in Acts 8.26, where it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, this is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which was re he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation for his life is removed from earth? Well, the unique... Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, we, 
interpret the Old Testament through the filter of the New Testament. And uh, it, it explains the Sabbath. It explains uh, so much to us. Um, and we just again praise the Lord that we can look back when the Jew, Jewish people were looking forward to Christ. But uh, here again, you see the message of Christ being proclaimed. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to them. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Well, that's amazing. Of all the places he could be reading, he's reading in Isaiah. He's reading from a scroll, and that scroll probably isn't a small little scroll as he's riding in that chariot. That scroll is probably uh, pretty big that he's reading from. And uh, so you don't know how he's driving down the road. And, but uh, must not have been very many chariots on the road that day. No doubt the, the horse pulling in the chariot is not speeding down the highway. And uh, not only can those who do not have children be saved, they will have a special blessing, as the scripture says here, eternally, that will be in the house of God, and it will be a memorial, even. And I wonder what this eunuch would have thought if he continued to read this further in the book of Isaiah in the scroll of Isaiah and come to chapter 56. And along with this eunuch, it also says, we also have the foreigners mentioned. Well, of course, that would be you and me and the Gentiles. And the foreigners would have been thought of as a dog by the Jew. But here the Lord is teaching his people, no, the rest of the Lord through Christ is for everyone. And so we get to the end of the passage here by looking at verse 8. It says, The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered, all you beasts of the field, all you beasts in the forest, come to eat. His watchmen are blind, all of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs, unable to bark, dreamers lying down who love to slumber, and the dogs are greedy, they are not satisfied, and they are shepherds who have no understanding, they have all turned to their own way, each one to his unjust gain to the last one. Come, they say, let us get wine and let us drink heavily of strong drink, and tomorrow we will be like today, only more so." Shepherds. <clears throat> and it says they are shepherds who have no understanding. I think the internet and television 
probably has so many we would get tired of looking them up. We've seen that this has been a problem for a very long time and they're still with us. Good Christians have even been influenced not only by the message, but by the music, not only by the music, but by the way the church meeting room is set up and the way the whole church operates. And that's not a judgment on everything modern, just because I'm such an old man, but um, because there is great music and there is uh, sincere Christian Bible teaching. But we know that uh, even today, as there was then, there are shepherds who have no understanding. And the question is, does any of that preaching take the focus off of the rest that we have in what Christ has accomplished for us? Does it focus us on this world and what we can have in this world instead of keeping our focus on what we have in Christ? Here it goes to the point of drunkenness, blind and greedy, being after unjust gain. And it reminds me of what we hear about uh, big tech and the business world and the fact that the big tech in the business world uh, are the people who are actually ruling our country and the world. But the Lord says here that, and it's very pleasing to me to see it here, and he can't quite understand what it all means, but it says here that um, even the animals can come to to him and um, as he said yet others I will gather to them to those already gathered and um, he says to all you beasts of the field all you beasts in the forest come to eat well we know that Romans also speaks of the world um straining and mourning and uh, having a hard time dealing with all that happened as a result of the fall and the result of sin. But uh, again, the Lord says here that even the animals or the beasts of the field can come to him, even if the watchman or the shepherds won't come. So we rest in him and we're not to be led astray by any other teaching or person. And there's an awful lot in this chapter of Isaiah 56. We have to understand the Sabbath. We have to understand all of this, reaching out to everyone, not just the Jew. Um, and uh, I think it's an awesome passage. And I'm just going to close with um, Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17, and it just verifies again that you don't have to keep the Sabbath. You have to keep the rest of Christ. And you have to look to him for your righteousness. And that's true 
Um, not just about the Sabbath, but it's true about the Ten Commandments as a whole. Listen to Colossians 2.16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So you have to think of that. Keeping the Sabbath is just a shadow of who Christ is, to point to Christ and who he is. The substance belongs to him. And uh, with that, I'm going to ask Andrew to uh, come up, and he's going to, close the our time of worship um, with a song of resting in him. And I want to thank you and I want to thank Pastor Matt for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. It's been an awfully long time, too long since um, uh, I've had that opportunity. And um, you, you can't imagine what it means to me. So thank you.